Take it away, Derek. What's your question? Why do you guys talk about comics so much? Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? 18 years. <laughs> Toothbrush is still fresh. Did they have sex? Because, I mean, she Hulk, you know. Damn it, Tony. We went an entire episode without mentioning Maggot, and then you ruined it. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Batman's got his little fishbowl on his head, but <laughs> Superman doesn't. Cyclops was right. Except when he was wrong. Master Bruce, you are calm. I'm going to silently judge all of you. Shut up, beast. Shut up. <laughs> like I've read it so many times, you know, it pretty much just crumbled in my hands. Come on, old chum. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read him? See, I didn't hate Hellcat until you made me read this miniseries. It was just a joke, but you made it real, Justin. No. You made it real. I, I prefer my Dazzler singing, like, Creedence Clearwater Revival songs at Australian bars. Titty discs. And... <laughs> That's what to be known as from now on. Like, I'm going to go into the Marvel Wikipedia and whatever it is. <laughs> the worst titty discs. <laughs> get better than that. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Hey guys, welcome back to another Soul Sword-tastic, limbo-horrific episode of Comics, motherfucker! Do you read them? Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, but I am not alone. I have two, count them, two of my fellow limbo resident fan holes with me. Why don't you guys give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Hey, it's Mike. I'm a little snowflake. Hey, guys, it's Tony, and by the Crimson Bands of Satorak. I, I love all you guys. That's why we're going to sit here in limbo and discuss this comic. So, yeah, I don't know if you figured it out or not, but we're discussing a very special Marvel limited series, the four-issue limited series, Magic with a K, published by Marvel Comics. The cover dates of the four issues, December 1983, January 1984, February 1984, and March 1984. But the on-sale dates were August 30th, 1983, October 4th, 1983, November 1st, 1983, and November 29th, 1984. Cover price on these was a whopping 60 cents. The titles, Little Girl Lost, Cold Iron Hot Blood, Soul Quest and Dark Child. Writer was Chris Claremont. Penciler for the first two issues was John Basima. Penciler on the third issue was Ron Friends. And penciler on the fourth issue was Sal Basima. Inker was Tom Palmer across the board. Letterer Tom Orachowski. Colorist Glennis Ween. Uh, editor Louise Simonson, uh, formerly Louise Jones at the time. We open on a teenage Ileana Rasputin standing alongside the bluff of Charles Xavier's school for gifted youngsters. Like her brother, Fyodor, aka the X-Man Colossus, she has followed in his footsteps coming to the mansion school. It should be her eighth birthday, but it is instead her 14th birthday, as Ileana has spent half her life on Earth and half in the hell of the Limbo Dimension. We then cut to the past where the X-Men, Wolverine, Nightcrawler, Storm, Colossus, and Kitty Pride, along with an alternate, older, sorceress version of Storm, battle the demon lord Belasco and his hordes to save six-year-old Ileana. In this version of events, Belasco slips past sorceress Storm and kidnaps Ileana while the X-Men are returned to the earthly plane. 
Despite Sorceress Storm engaging Belasco in a magical battle, she is no match for the Demon Lord, and Belasco reshapes a piece of Ileana's soul into a bloodstone placed into a gold amulet within one of five spots that form a pentagram. When all five are assembled, the dimensional walls will collapse, bringing Limbo and the Dark Ones to Earth. While Belasco laughs and torments Storm rather than kill her, the agile warrior Cat appears with ninja stars and a sword to drive Belasco to teleport away. When the trio teleport to Storm's sanctum, Storm attempts to break Belasco's bond with Ileana. Storm's astral self encounters an older, demonic version of the portion of Ileana's soul Belasco has corrupted. Astral Storm, again, is bested by demonic Ileana, but makes a last-ditch effort to call on her long-unused mutant weather powers to escape the near-death encounter. Storm decides she will train Ileana as her apprentice, while Cat disagrees and suggests the simplest option would be to neutralize the young girl. Before she storms off, Cat unmasks to reveal she is Kitty Pride, albeit transformed by Belasco into a humanoid with cat-like features under the mask. As the initial training of Ileana begins, Storm and the child go on a year-long magical walkabout where Storm reveals the glow of plants containing both their life force and, in some cases, a warped blackness that represents the fundamental evil of Limbo. Though Storm attempts to heal the black flowers, Ileana's zeal to learn how to do the same causes Causes the old woman to lose her temper and twist her arm. At this point, they reveal the black circle of corruption has already begun to affect young Ileana, and also how much darker and further the black circle has taken hold of old Storm. Later, we see that Storm's healing spell did not take, and the flowers turn to dead and rotting husks. That evening, Cat takes out Storm with Ebola and offers to take Ileana home. The child accepts, and Belasco approvingly observes from afar as that is exactly what he wants to happen. With Cat and Ileana on the run, Cat fends off a giant demon while telling Ileana to avoid the circles of light on the ground in limbo. But as Cat slays the first demon, a second demon jumps from the shadows, causing Ileana to slip and fall into one of the circles of light. Ileana finds herself in darkness until the circle of light and the glow of a match illuminate the corpse of Colossus hung on the wall. Cackling and smoking his stogie is the demon Sim, who is the one that killed her brother at the behest of Belasco. Ileana tries to bolt for another light circle, but Sim grabs her by the hair. Luckily, Cat has located them both and stabs Sim in the tail, causing him to free Ileana. Sim makes threats, explaining he will feast on Cat's heart like he did Wolverine's, but Cat and Ileana escape to another barren region of Limbo based upon the savage land filled with hungry predators. Cat then slays a two-headed saber-toothed tiger for dinner, and Cat plans to begin Ileana's physical training in the morning. After they go for a run, Cat begins to train Ileana in sword fighting. The astral form of Storm comes to protest, but Cat continues with her plans for Ileana to be forged by steel. After two years, the student even begins to surpass the master, returning a cut on her cheek from an earlier sparring match. With Ileana's training completed, the pair head to Belasco's Citadel and encounter an evil version of Nightcrawler, who now serves only Belasco. As Cat phases away, Ileana is left to fend off a Nightcrawler armed with three swords, two in each hand and one for his tail. Cat then phases up from the stone floor and phases Nightcrawler's foot into the ground. With Nightcrawler trapped, Cat stabs him in the chest. 
From Belasco's altar, Kat plans to use her phasing ability to take them out of limbo and back to Earth. Just when it looks like Ileana will be returned to her own dimension with the X-Men, the group of X-Men and young Kitty Pride holding out their hand transforms into Belasco himself. Horrifically, Belasco finishes what he started and completes Kat's transformation into a full-fledged cat person. Ileana is given a magic blade by Belasco, which she uses to cut herself and create the second of the five bloodstones. Now, Ileana is the apprentice to Belasco. Elsewhere, Storm views all that transpires in a crystal ball and tosses the ball in anger as she realizes she will now be forced to kill them both. Now 11 years of age, another two years have passed with Ileana serving as Belasco's apprentice. Though she has mastered the soul spell and transformed a mouse into a demon, now its claws scratch her face as she swats the beast away. Cat manages to grab the beast as a midnight snack and chases Ileana up to her bedroom. The last vestiges of humanity reach out to Ileana and Cat speaks her name, which she hasn't done in over two years. But Ileana is not ready to face her former friend and blasts her away with magic energy. In addition to Belasco's training, Ileana has been training herself with Storm's healing magics. However, when she attempts to free herself from Belasco by turning a portion of her soul into an eggcorn that grew into a large tree, the eggcorn pops open with a black ooze of corruption. Storm's astral form reaches out to Ileana, telling her she has not been forgotten, and when once again alone, Ileana realizes her mutant ability is to control the circles of light, also known as the stepping disks of Limbo. She transports herself, momentarily meeting her eventual colleagues in the New Mutants, and ultimately going back in time to witness the younger mutant elemental slash sorceress Storm's corruption at the hands of Belasco. While it appears she had slain Belasco, in fact Belasco cannot be killed in limbo, and she merely slayed her own innocence. Using a stepping disc to get back to the present day in limbo, Sim tries to retrieve Ileana for Belasco, but she banishes the demon muscle into a stepping disc far, far away from the Citadel. By then, Old Storm has breached the castle wall and is engaged in a battle with Belasco. Cat slashes Storm in the back, and Ileana fends off Cat with a torch. Cat and Ileana enter a battle to the death, with Ileana ending up being the victor, snapping the other's neck. Having killed her best friend, it also looks like this will be the end of Old Storm as well. However, Belasco plans to strip Old Storm's soul as a sacrifice and then fill another of the Bloodstones in his quest for ultimate power. Ileana begs Belasco to spare Storm, but instead he gives her a blade to cut herself to generate the third Bloodstone for the Pentagram Amulet, so they can then offer Storm's soul to Belasco's gods, the Dark Ones. Instead, as Storm knowingly smiles with tears in her eyes, Ileana takes the blade to Storm's heart, killing her and effectively foiling Belasco's plan. Ileana ports her and the body of Storm away from the crumbling citadel. She buries Storm in her garden, but begins to see visions of Storm as a zombie, as well as her brother, before she ports away and flees to see her parents on Earth. Shocked that she's had the ability to port back to Earth the entire time, she is saddened when her own parents no longer recognize the teenage girl she's grown into over the last six years. Again, Ileana is tormented with visions of zombie X-Men and is eventually slapped awake within the clutches of Velasco. 
Belasco torments Ileana, creating the third bloodstone, and then banishes her to a snowy wilderness within Limbo where she can no longer use the stepping discs. In her isolation, Ileana struggles to create her eggcorn again and again, ending in utter failure. After multiple failures, she comes to the realization that she is not Storm, and that she might try to create an actual weapon rather than a metaphorical weapon as Storm did. With this new tactic, Ileana creates her first Soul Sword. Now flush with power, she returns to face Belasco. Belasco is strong, but her mutant powers and the preference for her by Belasco's Dark Ones give her the edge. Ileana cuts open Sim and destroys Belasco's ancient texts. As she gains ground over Belasco in battle, his horns and tail slowly disappear and transfer to Ileana along with his power. When Ileana has Belasco at her mercy, she fights the urge to kill the former demon lord once and for all and spares him. Belasco teleports away to fight another day, and Ileana, now 13 years of age, returns to the X-Men and now the New Mutants. The end. So that right there in the not-so-short nutshell is the events of the four-issue limited series of Magic. And I, I guess I have plenty to say about this. For me, this is a, a spinner rack story, but I'm, I'm kind of curious before I go into sort of my history with it. I'm kind of just curious, like, have you guys, either of you ever read this before? And, and maybe like, what's your history with, with magic as far as this goes? I've never read this before. And um, well, I was gonna say, it's like, I was trying to piece together my history of magic as a character. I came to the conclusion that, like, you know, when I first got into comics, it's like, I think I I read, you know, Giant Size X-Men number one, obviously, and that's like, you know, Ileana Rasputin's first appearance where she just, you know, she's just a little girl who Colossus, like, saves from the tractor or whatever. So, like, I knew Colossus had a little sister. And then, of course, you know, she showed up on the cartoon, you know, in the second season episode where they had Omega Red or whatever. And that's where, you know, we used to joke about Ileana, you know, you know, doing our right, uh, right, Colossus right, impression. Right. So like, OK. And I was like, yeah, Colossus has a little sister. Right. Then, like, you know, as I was picking up comics during like, you know, the early 90s and whatever, like Ileana was a was a kid and then she died of the legacy virus. And I, I was like, oh, that's kind of sad. Like, you know, Colossus's little sister died. Then, like, when I eventually went back and read, like, all Chris Claremont stuff, like, I, I finally, like, read the story that, you know, where they fight Belasco and they go to Limbo and, like, Ileana gets kidnapped. And then, you know, when they pull her out of there, she's, like, you know, 14 years old. And I was like, oh, that's weird. And then, like, eventually, like, you know, I, I uh, you know, sort of encountered, oh, like, Ileana had a whole, like, career as a, like, you know, new mutant and, like, you know, as, as you know, magic and, like, as a member of a team. And, like, I like this was all stuff I never even, like, heard of. So, like, I, I feel like I completely missed all her, like, career as magic as a kid, basically, until I, like, went back and actually, like, read all, like, that stuff. So, yeah, like I mean, I, I my my history with the character uh, um for the first like probably 10 years of my comic book fandom was just knowing her as that little like Colossus's little sister girl who he had to save all the time basically. So, yeah, but you know, then eventually like I I grew to like her too when I, you know, started reading, you know, actual 
X-Men comics and, you know, stuff like in the modern era where, you know, she came back and she was a teenager again after she, like, she died. She was, she was like de-aged during Inferno. Then she was like back to her mm-hmm. normal age and then mm-hmm. she died of the legacy virus and then mm-hmm. she came back and then she yep. was back to a teenager again. And then, yeah, so... I don't know, like I get like I was trying to piece it together like this week. I was like, oh, OK, like, but I, I just thought it was funny that like for a long time, I just knew her as little snowflake, like basically. So, yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean, I, I think that's fair. I mean, especially like like if somebody's only like I'm not saying that this was your only exposure, but if somebody's only exposure to the X-Men was the X-Men cartoon, that's that's all they'd know her as. And and, and maybe with with, you know. I think as we get to discuss this, like maybe with good reason, right? Like I, I think the 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 source material for this was probably considered problematic for a you know a Saturday morning cartoon, right? So I could, I kind of wandered across Magic because of the New Mutants, basically. I had started picking that comic up well before Cable came in and made it the hottest new book that you're not reading. And I always liked the New Mutants; they were always like very relatable. Because by that point, the X-Men had gone through so much, you know, I I love me some Cyclops. And, you know, Beast, you know, Hank McCoy's like, you know, a lovable, like, you know, good-hearted guy and all that stuff. But, like, they had already become experienced adventurers by that point. And, like, you know, younger kid me could relate more to, like, you know, Sam Guthrie and his, like, I'm a blast-in. And then, you know, Roberto da Costa and his self you know image issues and all that stuff it was you know more geared towards me and and magic you know iliana was a part of that roster and by that time she had already become like 14 years old this is after the uh, the events of magic well had really settled in i mean this was her origin but like by the time i got to the book they, they'd already had the magic miniseries she was the the petulant 14 year old she was kind of a she was goth before goth was goth, kind of. She would she would have moments of being kind of, you know, cheerful and stuff. A lot of it was her kind of ruminating on her past with Belasco. And, you know, CM, uh, Sim, you say Sim, I say CM, you know, tomato, tomato. And, you know, how he would, you know, pop up and try to tempt her every so often in the New Mutants. One of the things that, like, you know, really intrigued me about Magic was, like, Storm showing up. Because they never really have gone back to Sorceress Storm a whole lot in the recent, like, you know, X-Men stuff. She's She's been, a, you know, a goddess, and she's been, like, you know, T'Challa's wife and stuff like that. But they've never really done a whole lot with her being, like, magically inclined, or they've never really referenced it a whole lot. But, yeah, I do remember reading it, and I enjoyed it. The art was really, it's really lush. It's There's there's a lot of detail in the art, which I'm not really surprised, considering who, you know, the... The various, you know, the two audio artists who drew it is like I didn't know who they were at the time, but I was just like, oh, this is this looks really good. One thing that I really liked about the the miniseries, it really set up the corner of the of the X Men universe that was magic. You know, like Inferno, pretty much kind of comes from here. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, I, I I kind of always go on record as, you know, Inferno is my favorite, you know, X Men event, and I think that has a lot to do with nostalgia. It probably has a lot to do when I was heavily invested in reading X-Men. But I, I think my foundation for X-Men was this limited series. Like, I, I kind of need to establish to people listening, like, this limited series, I consider a spinner rack comic because 
it came in a care package from my aunt on my mom's side that came to me pre before I knew what comic book specialty shops were, you know, and I was just buying stuff off the quick stop and thrifties and seven elevens and all this other stuff. This probably isn't anything I would have ever thought. Like if I saw it on a stand, I, I, I don't think it's something I would have recognized or picked up or whatever. It's just th this was, this was in a care package that was issued to me and it came with, it was like, the Jack of Hearts limited series was in there. The uh, Peter Parker Spectacular Spider-Man issues 91 to 94, where he's in the alien costume and Black Hat is his girlfriend. Like these were, and, and of course, because I was raised Catholic and, you know, uh, and, and because, you know, my mom and my aunt are both Polish, like I was issued that copy of Pope John Paul you know, the, the, the Marvel comic or whatever, Pope John Paul II, you know, like, like it, it was the biggest deal ever. Right. Like it was like, Oh, the Polish Pope, like here, here's your copy. You got to read this like before you read anything else. Right. And it's almost like a, a counterpoint, a juxtaposition to this, right. Where it's like very dark. And I read this before Craven's last hunt. I read this before I read the trade paperback of Alan Moore's Saga of the Swamp Thing. I'm not 100% sure, but I think I read this before Dark Knight Returns. So I guess, you know, what I'm trying to illustrate with that is, aside from maybe a few one-off comics like I've described before that kind of, uh, that's, you know, quote-unquote scared me, you know, it's like uh, Scarlet Witch and, and Doctor Strange teaming up in the back of Marvel team up were scary. Like, you know, Scarlet Witch and Tigra frightened me because they were like adult women that, you know, had like kind of spooky, scary aspects to them while being sexualized at the same time. So that was like, I was just kind of like, and I kind of turned around and walked in the other room. Like, like, I think had I seen like one issue of this on my own, I probably would have just run away. But because, you know, I mean, mostly I was just getting, you know, I was a little kid. I was getting toy tie-in comics. I was getting G.I. Joe and Transformers and Superpowers. And, that, you know, there were things that snuck in there where it was like, oh, I was reading some of the Spider-Man books and trying to collect those. And every once in a while I would grab something I recognized. So it's like I, I knew who Superman was and I got Man of Steel and I knew who Firestorm was. And I got an issue of that. And that kind of in its own way spooked me. And, and and I didn't keep reading that because it was just a little too adult for me at the time, you know, and this I probably would have ran away from, but I had all four issues. You know what I mean? Like it was a gift. It was issued to me like so. So I I stuck with the you know, I stuck the course and read the whole thing. And it was like a character I got in to from the ground floor. And I feel like magic was like the first truly, quote unquote, adult, quote unquote, mature comic that I had the opportunity to read from beginning to end because, you know, I had all four issues. I went along this journey with the protagonist and I think in some ways, like if you're, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm like psychoanalyzing myself, but like not counting X factor, you know, like I think my, I think, you know, like if you, if you look back, right, like I watched Spider-Man and his amazing friends. So I knew who Iceman was and there was that connection with Firestar and him to the X-Men and all that stuff. So I'm not going to say I was totally ignorant of the X-Men, but as far as when it comes to like reading comic books. Amazing Spider-Man 282 guest starred X-Factor. 
So that was July 1986. Then I probably didn't have any exposure to the X-Men until like maybe a year later in Hulk 336, which was again X-Factor. So like aside from like Mark Silvestri X-Men, which may be like 222, 221, like in in that same year of 1987, like in between those that's when I got this limited series. So psychoanalyzing myself, the X-Men are pretty worthless in this. Like the X-Men leave Ileana in a dark limbo demon dimension and the X-Men from that other timeline all get majorly killed, choted, and die horrible, horrible deaths or get mutated so that they're scary and unrecognizable or they're old and, you know, in some cases worthless. And so like, I I guess I just say that because it, it it's probably funny, but what, maybe like why am I an OG X Men fan instead of like the all new all different X Men fan era, or like why why is that my my predilection or preference? And I I kind of feel like this is why. Do you know what I mean? Like like because I feel like everybody in this basically her brother fails her, like Storm fails her, like Kitty Pride cat shadow cat whatever like fails her like wolverine like i mean that that's you know i don't know belasco and sim are probably not the greatest villains in other titles you know like i i kind of crack up because belasco like after this kind of looks like uh, a putz you know when he's fighting like kazar or punisher or whoever it is but like in this to me he was like the ultimate big bad and sim like just cracked off one of Wolverine's adamantium claws like it was nothing, you know, and picks his teeth with it. And you're just like, holy crap, this guy is, you know, he killed Colossus, for God's sakes. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, like it, it was just like those, you know, those characters were never like more powerful and scarier than they were to me when I read this, you know. And and so like that, I, I you know, I, I guess I just illustrate that because that's why I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I kind of got in with magic from the ground floor and, and I think that made, you know, I guess bringing it back to what you said, Tony, that made Inferno like very significant to me because I, I kind of, I, I, you know, you feel like you were in on the ground floor of, you know, it, it started with Ileana and you were there for that. And now you're seeing like the kind of, I mean, Inferno was like, if, if Avengers, Infinity War and Endgame are the culmination of the, you know, whatever you're calling it, like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, Thanos, you know, uh, you know, Infinity Stone saga or whatever you want to call it. Right. Like to me, like this Inferno was the culmination of, the, you know, the Bloodstone, you know, Ileana saga. You know what I mean? And so like that that to me was was super important as far as that goes. And that's kind of like my background with the character. I mean, she's always been one of my favorite characters. And and I think and it's, it's interesting, too. It's not I, I don't think it's entirely based on nostalgia because, you know, as, as evidenced by years and years of this podcast, like I'm not Jack of Hearts' biggest fan. Do you know what I mean? So it's like Jack of Hearts I got in that same care package, but I just didn't I wasn't as drawn in. I didn't, you know. I didn't form that that early nostalgic bond with that character in that limited series, but I, I certainly did with Ileana and Magic. And maybe maybe it's because of the age I read it at too. I was kind of young and kind of her age, 
you know, like when I started reading it. So I, you, you almost felt like you could sort of go on that journey with her, you know, and, and, and maybe by the time I was reading Inferno, maybe I was a young teen like she was, you know what I mean? So there was that journey you took in real time, but you know, I mean, I, I have tons of notes on all the individual issues and everything, but I mean, that's that's kind of my history with it. And again, like I said, kind of self psychoanalyzing, like it, it, it cracks me up in a way. But I, but I think I think I blame this miniseries as to why I'm not entirely super impressed with, uh, you know, with the giant sized, you know, all new, all different X-Men because because they they really didn't offer Ileana a whole lot of help in this situation. You know, like 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 she had to she was a, a, a little scrapper, you know, she had to sort of survive on her own and she did, you know, so I I, I don't know. I've, I've always dug this and and um, and and it's weird, like there's a lot of nostalgic sense memories, but like the the care package and I, I think I've talked about this before with like um you know, Star Wars read along books, but like this weird notion of like, you know, being a little kid eating your yogurt covered raisins or, you know, whatever weird shit. I'm like, why, why was I eating that? I don't even know. But like, you know, it's just like that weird thing where you're like, you're like, oh yeah, it, it was the coolest thing ever to, to get gifted uh, a care package, which with a bunch of different comics and sort of be exposed to all those and kind of, you know, opens you up. Like this was, this was, you know, something that was I don't know if it exposed me to the wider Marvel universe, but I feel like it did give me like a grounding foundation for, you know, maybe the the X-Men universe, I guess. This is I, I was going to say, I'm glad I'm glad you had us read this because this is this is like some like I feel like this is some sort of missing link for me, like or like lost, like connect connective tissue, because like when I did read through like all of Chris Claremont stuff, like, you know, when you read that actual issue, you know, like Kitty loses like, you know, touch with Ileana for like a second. And then when she gets her back, you know, she comes out and she's like, oh, she's 14 years old now. Like, you know, you only lost her for a second, but like she went from being like a six year old to like a 14 year old mm -hmm. or whatever. So and then like when she kind of shows up as like a supporting character after that, but she was never like she's always kind of, you know, creepy and distant and whatever. And like I never like I never saw why, like how she got to be that way. And this is. Mm you know, obviously this is her origin story. So like I had never read that before. So I feel like I understand her like, you know, mental state in the current, like, you know, when she's, you know, when she's actually magic now. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, she probably, you know, even though there's that sense of she's back in the quote unquote real world and she's surrounded by, you know, friends and family that, you know, love her and care for her, like she's already gone through all that loss, like all those things being stripped away from her. So I'm sure there's that, that sense that this is all BS. Like at any moment that that could turn into another illusion and Belasco will still be there. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that kind of, you know, PTSD or whatever you want to, you know, ascribe to it, you know, that, that, that it could all go away in a poof of smoke at, at any given moment, you know? And then, and then it's interesting too, because I mean, in, in some sense, what you experienced was by design like like i think you know they, they were keeping it a mystery you know for a while and then they they kind of unleashed this mini series is like oh 
we've given you hints about it. We we've kind of alluded to things, but we haven't spelled it all out. You know, they, they, you know, you kind of knew like she had faced loss, but you didn't quite know the details of it. And then, you know, then they released this limited series and then, and then it was like that, you know, the truth was uncovered. You got to see all the kind of gory details of, of what went down, you know, in her time in limbo and everything. And that, I guess, you know, like you said, like, it seems like you, you came to it, you know, way later, obviously, but I mean, in, in some sense, it's just a, a delayed reaction. Cause I think, I think most people probably came to it that way where it, it was a mystery at first. And then they, you know, if, if you re- even if you read this in real time, you know, it was still a mystery for a little while before they ultimately revealed everything. As, as Colossus is one of my favorite X-Men, it, it also gives you like more of the backstory of why Piotr like always has this guilt complex and overprotective of Ilyana because he lost her for like seven years of her life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a blink of an eye to like, you know, to him, but at the same time it still happened and he feels very remorseful and, and he has a lot of guilt because he wasn't the big brother who could protect her. So that that's kind of why you have the whole Ilyana thing in the, in the cartoon. It's not as obviously well, you know, explained, but in the comics, yeah, they, they, you know, they show you this is why Piotr is, you know, like my little snowflake. He's like, I will protect her at all costs, you know. I'm, I'm kind of curious, too, and I don't know if this is anything Mike's thought of, but since this is the first time he's reading it, like, is your exposure to Belasco, like, just as limited? Like, is this the first time you've ever read anything with the character? Like, do you have any history with that character? I mean, aside from his first appearances in, like, well, not first appearances, but his appearances in X-Men, you know, during Claremont's run. Yeah, that was, like, yeah, pretty much it. Yeah, because I I mean, I I think my first exposure was this miniseries, and then it makes me think of, like, I mean, it's funny, I I did a recent read-through of Kazar the Savage, you know, and he's, I think that's where he first appears, and then he, he, he is a major player in that book, and, like, I don't know. He seemed, he, he's such a putz in that book. You know what I mean? And it's like, I, I think that's why I have a strong distaste for that book. And then, you know, I'm sure he's made other appearances, but like the most significant thing I can think of after I read this was there was this kind of funny arc in uh, the Punisher where I think like, so I think he, it's like somehow he was working with Jigsaw or whatever. And, and like, and I, I mean, I guess I could rationalize it. Like, I guess you could say, Oh, this is all post, after Ileana, you know, whooped his ass, so he's not nearly as powerful as he used to be. But you, you kind of feel like from this, you know, it's like he's like this Doctor Strange level type baddie. You know what I mean? Like, like this, you know, this guy with with immense power. And then, and then maybe also you could argue, well, as long as he's in limbo, he's that powerful. But if he's, you know, fighting with Kazar in the Savage Land, or he's He's fighting with, you know, the Punisher in some South American jungle somewhere. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that, that maybe he's out of his element. So he's not as, you know, he's not as all powerful as he would be were he facing, you know, Punisher in limbo, then Punisher would be fucked. But, you know, since, since it's not that maybe that's your, you know, no prize or whatever. But like, you know, again, you know, this, this is probably a case of me you know, like a, a case of the high evolutionary, you know, being exposed to the, the villains at the right time and, and just them having like this major, you know, kind of impact in my, uh, 
you know, my lexicon, you know, or whatever for, for comic villainy or whatever. Yeah. He, like Belasco is, is obviously a, the, the big bad in this limited series. And, and he's obviously, you know, a big bad to Ileana just personally, but like, he really did kind of fall off to the, to the side, like in like the nineties and, you know, he doesn't really show up a lot in a lot of modern stuff beyond like, you know, references, you know, it's like, you know, back when Belasco, you know, imprisoned me or back when Belasco, like, you know, uh, you know, pulled the wool over my eyes and all that stuff. He, he's just one of those villains that, like he said, you know, if, if you're if you read this at the time or at least kind of close to it, he, he had a he had a much bigger impact. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a shame they, they, they don't use this character as often as they as they could you know he's he's a fun villain he's he's very i mean i yeah. i remember you know the uh there's a, a hellcat miniseries that came out it was like three issues and i mainly remember it because norm brayfogle did the art on it and i thought it was really cool but then one of the aspects about that that was really cool was you know it was kind of having to do with like you know patsy walker in hell type scenario or whatever you know hellcat in hell type uh, story arc and so they they did this cool thing where it wasn't just you know Velasco or Mephisto or you know you know all, all these different sort of uh, you know demonic characters it, it was it was more of like they were on a council and they were all hanging out together and I remember thinking that was the coolest thing ever because I was like oh look it's you know it's Belasco and Mephisto and they're having a you know they're having a little council of war like they're a bunch of you know gang you know crime mafia bosses or something and I I just I always thought that was the coolest thing ever it's the Satan club (laughs) yeah yeah I guess just generically or maybe specifically getting into like you know I don't know like like notes I had on on the first issue I I guess I feel like talking a lot about, you know, things that, you know, I guess I was forced to to deal with. And, and that that might be like a, a fear of of body horror, you know, like because because I, I think I think, you know, that that that's, again, self psychoanalyzing myself or whatever. Like, you know, I, I think those are some of the things that made me scared of stuff like that issue of firestorm where the guy mutates into a, you know, a giant ugly green monster man or whatever. Cause that's kind of body horror, which kind of, I guess is maybe always freaked me out, you know, like that, that you, you can be fine with yourself. And then all of a sudden you somehow mutate into this evil monstrous form or, 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 you know, become some kind of chimera where you're part animal or, you know, something like you're like, you kind of like thinking to yourself, that's, that's kind of creepy or whatever. If you, if you imagine yourself having gone through that or whatever. And I, I think with this, you know, there's the, the, for me, it's, it's specifically with cat, you know, like that, that she, you know, has these cat like eyes. And then later in the miniseries, she turns into this full on cat person and has like almost no humanity, humanity, no agency. You know, she's just a, a thing, you know, a, a, an animal that, that you know, can only hunt down mice and can barely hold a conversation with Ileana. And then I would say the aspect of, you know, and, and, and this is a theme I think that runs through all the issues, but the, the like being raised Catholic, seeing like 
Belasco literally having horns on his head and then seeing, say, like you're, you're talking about this aspect of storm that you don't see too much, like like seeing seeing her as a sorceress, but not only a sorceress, but like a, a demonic sorceress. Do you know what I mean? Like like that she she yeah. in her youth fights Belasco and then kills him. But all that really does is give her horns on her head. And and in the first issue, like that's displayed in like that dream sequence where they they kind of show like, I mean, I mean, that that's that it's the thing for me that's always made me feel strange about, uh, you know, it's like the, like horror movies that like have horror and and uh, sexuality all in the same breath like like you know it, it's kind of like i always i don't know i always make these jokes about um hooters you know where it's like either i want to fuck or i want to eat some fucking hot wings but i don't i don't want to do both do you know what i mean like i don't want to I, I either i'm hungry for hot wings or i have a chubby and i want to get laid like i, I don't want to have a chubby while i'm eating fucking hot wings you know what i mean and, and it's like i kind of feel the same way about like sexuality and horror because like there's that weird aspect where you're like well Ileana's uh uh demon self you know like when, when they first do the dream and everything and you can see like like uh old storm is fighting with Ileana and as they fight it's like they exchange horns because she's got the horns and then when storm gets a little more victorious like or starts using her dark abilities like it's like Storm herself starts getting, you know, vampire fangs and horns on her head too. And it doesn't matter whether it's old Storm or, or, uh, you know, teenage, you know, kind of, uh, uh, Ileana or whatever. There's, there's something about them that's both sensual and repellent all at the same time. And, and that, you know, even, even cat, I guess in a way, right? Like, like, I mean, you know, if she keeps the mask on her face, she just kind of looks like a hot ninja woman with with bare legs. But the minute she takes off the mask, you know, it's it, it's just one of those weird things where, you know, it's like it, it's like that. Um, I, I don't know if you know, this This is based on a comic, too, but uh, it was a Masters of Horror episode. And it's really disturbing, but it's called Jennifer. And it's like basically about this dude that like fucks this awful looking face girl, but she's got this banging body and. I don't know. It's just, it's just, you know, and then, and then it becomes this like single white female thing and she goes around and ruins his family. And cause the guy's a jerk, like he, he gets his comeuppance or whatever, but like, it, it's just that whole thing of like, you know, th th this kind of, uh, you know, maybe, maybe shining a light to the, the, um, superficiality of a, a dude that just wants to get banged. It's like, I will bang cat as long as I don't have to see her cat face. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, and it's just like one of those things where, you know, like, like, and, and the funny part to me is, you know, that's also juxtaposed because I'm, I'm looking at the page where it's like cats sitting there while old storm is taking a swim in the pool. And ironically, like old storm, you know, they, they were always having storm, like get naked and get like in the water or whatever. And, you know, I know that's probably because Claremont had his fetish or whatever the deal was, but like, Storm to me is kind of like I mean I've I've talked about this with Justin before but Storm to me is is similar to Wonder Woman in that like I've never 
this might be funny to say, but, and I felt like it was funny to say with Wonder Woman, but like, I've never seen her as a sexual object. Like, like she has vibes. Like, like I've, I've always just kind of been like, Oh, look, like she, I mean, one in this, she's much older and she's looking after Ileana almost like a, you know, like you said, mother, grandmother, whatever it is. But like, also like, I, I don't know what it is. It's just like, there's something about it where it's like, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, it, I guess that's a good way to describe it. Like, just because she gets naked doesn't mean I'm all excited. It's more like, you know, oh, like, like a motherly figure getting naked. It's just natural, like a normal, you know, mom's got to take baths, too. Do you know, you know what I mean? Like, like that. That's kind of how I I view all that. And and I guess maybe, you know, for additional notes on the first issue, um, and and kind of in tandem with with the discussion about old storm like i'm going to keep bringing this up too and and hammering it like a dead horse but being raised catholic the uh the the black spot basically on your soul like that's a very catholic idea do you know what i mean like like the yeah, sin like on your soul yeah you know, and it and it slowly like grows over time and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I mean, that's kind of why I brought up. It's like I was issued the Pope John Paul II autobiographic or the biographical comic book at the same time in the same care package. Do you know what I mean? So it was like it's a very strong iconography, like notion and everything to, to sort of combat the the, you know, the the aspect of you know, getting demon horns and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Well, I mean, I, I think like also when you're talking about kind of like the body horror thing and all that kind of stuff, it, it's really kind of well represented in, especially in Inferno. It, it, it's, it's, I, it's also pretty much saying that like the, the, the demonic side or the evil side, when it eats away the good, you know, the good part of you, it changes you into like a demon. It makes you more yeah. demonic, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and also as far as being seductive and everything like that, you know, like Ileana's like, you know, demon child form uh, or whatever, like it's a very seductive, usually drawn seductively and seductive poses and stuff like that. And, and when I, when I think of that, it's, it's the reason it's, I, I think like they do objectify her in a sexual way. And before anybody starts, you know, ringing bells and being like, you know, virtual sig virtue signaling. The reason I say it, that she's drawn as a sexual object is because she is losing her, like, you know, um, not her innocence, but her uh, her inhibitions. You know, she doesn't care about the power she's wielding. And it, it is seductive to her as well as to other people because she's, you know, she has this power. And one of the powers of, like, you know, demons or, or demonic type of creatures is to tempt you to be alluring and, you know, and, you know, be beguiling, you know, they're supposed to draw you in, you know? So that's that also that, that kind of facade, you know, it's like, yes, it's kind of disturbing because she's got horns and stuff, but also, you know, she's arching her back and, you know, she's, you know, usually whenever she has the demon child form, her clothes are ripped in various places, just covering just enough. So it, it's also, I think a physical manifestation of her not having as much control. Cause when she is the demon child, she is more reckless and, and more like ferocious when she fights. Well, I mean, they talk about, uh, I think, uh, you know, Louise Jones, you know, eventually Louise Simonson, right. They, they talk about how the, 
there's there's light magic and there's dark magic and all magic has consequences but that the the light magic is like doing you know doing long division you know it's like the hard way but you you feel accomplished when you've done it and you're better off for having done it the long way whereas the dark magic is a little more quote unquote fun it's like dangerous but it's there's there's that allure to it and and i think the the other thing that i mean you know i, I guess you can you know i, I kind of hate it but i feel like it's worth discussing too is like like you said there's all these you know modern uh contexts that or 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 modern terminology that people can't you know they they're salivating to apply to something like this as if uh, i'm just trying to think of how to phrase it but like to me, I'm I'm thinking of things like, well, this always existed. It's written here in a 1983 comic or whatever, right? So it's not like it's not like you just invented it or whatever. It was always a thing. But now all of a sudden, you know, it's it, you could you could bring up like, oh, Belasco is quote unquote grooming Ileana. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's there's that aspect where he's like, oh, I love you, you know, like, and and there's there's there, there's that weird notion of you know, in some ways, there's it's very pedophilic, you know. It's like that's part of his evil you know what i mean like he's he's like seducing like a child and and accelerating her age and you know like there's just all this kind of stuff where you're just like if you actually sit and think about it you're like you're like this you know th there's a lot of trauma she went through right and and it's like and it was at this guy you know this demon's hands right and you can clearly like throw all kinds of modern labels on it but ultimately it's still it's still the same thing, right? Like it, it doesn't matter what you label it. It's like she, she went through all that, you know, torture basically and, and came out of it, you know, ultimately a stronger person and, and, and sort of, you know, I mean, I guess you could argue though that, you know, there's aspect of, you know, she eventually, you know, gives in like, that's where you know, Inferno, you know, heads to the climax, right? Like there was no, there was no good outcome that was going to come out of it. But I suppose later, you know, when they when they bring her back, like, I, I guess that's kind of stripped from her character in a way. She's just this, you know, badass chick who teleports people around and is 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 part of a war council and is is awesome sauce or whatever. Right. Like and and beats the shit out of Dormammu or what, whatever Bendis has her do. And they 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 seem to abandon the whole the scars that she's had and the the, you know, the, the conflict, the the temptation, the the balance of good versus evil or or or, you know, as uh, I think like Louise Simonson was talking about, like the, the fact that like it, it, the better way might be to use light magic. But the more fun way is, to you know, quote unquote, fun way is to use the dark magic, you know. And so that, like you said, the, the inhibitions that are stripped. Right. It's it's more fun to be to be uninhibited than it is to be inhibited. Right. Like, so there's, there's, uh, there, there's that kind of notion as well. The thing that keeps popping in my head is, is one of the teaser images for Inferno where it's, it's a picture of Ayana, but it's, it's three images of her. It's, and it says beneath it, Ayana magic and dark child. Mm. And, you know, yeah, it's all the same person, but it's like different levels of corruption and control. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and I guess I guess maybe maybe that's uh, 
that's also influential and I can self psychoanalyze myself uh, again, like, like outing myself or whatever. Cause I think my favorite version is the middle version, right? Like she's not too innocent and she's not too body horror. It's like that middle version where she's got the, the soul sword armor and she's got the horns, but she's not, she's not quite fucking scaly and, 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 and got the forked tongue or anything yet. You know what I mean? Like there's, it's like, it's like, she's, she's just dangerous enough, but she's not so dangerous. She's going to bite your dick off. You know what I mean? Like, like, and you're just like, okay, like that's, you know, and again, maybe self outing myself, self psychoanalyzing, like that's, I'm, I'm drawn to that. Right. Like there, there's something, there's something about that where you're like, that's, that is fun. That is attractive, you know, type thing. Storm, in her wisdom and maturity, encourages Ileana's involvement with light sorcery, the magic of responsibility, of good. But there is dark sorcery, too, less benevolent, more dangerous, and more fun. And remember that knowledge of any sorcery, dark or light, good or bad, will corrupt. Furthermore, Ileana and Storm's seven years are fraught with tragedy. It's funny in the um, the the hardcover of this collection that cover that Ron Friends does. It's the cover with the the you know the kind of uh, demon controlled Nightcrawler you know in the the limbo dimension fighting Ileana, and he's got the he, he's wielding like you know three swords right and like it, it, basically uh, C B Sabolsky writes the intro in that hardcover collection. And he points out, like, dude, that one guy in the back looks kind of like Jabba that's watching them or whatever fight and shit like that. And, you know, of course, he, he said, like, this was the cover that that drew him to the miniseries because he was taken by that. Like, this is what he grabbed off the stands or whatever. So I thought that was kind of worth pointing out. Like for me, like, I mean, we brought it up already, but it, it's specifically shown in the the second issue. But colossus's corpse that's strung up against the wall you know that you know it's like sim killed colossus like i i feel like that's well one it's her older brother right so there's that but it's it's just powerful imagery like in and of itself and like i i i didn't exactly make this connection but uh, while i was reading it i sort of thought about it and by then i had seen james cameron's aliens in the summer of 1986 so a I think it registered to me on that level, you know, like the, the, the poor bastards that are like hosts for the xenomorphs, like that they're just strung up by the hives and everything. And, and just the fact that like, you know, Sim, you know, like, I mean, just, you know, mad respect. He's just like breaking off pieces of adamantium claw and picking his teeth. Like, I mean, it's unreal, like, like how, how much, you know, it's, it's funny. Cause I think later, you know, there, there's aspects of he's, he's mainly a new mutants villain and maybe doesn't get the same level of respect maybe that, that some of the other X villains would get, or even just Marvel universe villains. But like, you know, to me, it was always, you know, always had mad respect cause he basically killed all of these X-Men and everything, you know, you know, eight Wolverine's fucking heart. You know what I mean? Like, you're just like, dude, like who, wh what is more badass than that? You know, like type thing. And then, and then I think another great moment, cause the, the, you know, again, you, you talked about the art and Ron friends did the cover for this one. And John Basima does the art in the first two issues. And it's so, 
it's so good and so classic. Like, and I think it's interesting too, because you know, Tom Palmer, you know, sometimes it's hit or miss for me with Tom Palmer, but I think his inks make this gritty and it and it absolutely needed to be a, a, a gritty look for this this whole book and everything. And I guess that's the glue, the the consistency, because he's always providing the inks, whether it's friends or or Sal Busima and John Busima that's doing the art or whatever. But like that that sequence where Cat like takes down and kills the the two headed saber toothed tiger is just so great. And it's it's so like it's like classic John Pasima type stuff, you know, like it, you know, and, and the whole thing worked for me. And, you know, and then and then you get to the point where like they 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 kill that version of Nightcrawler. And of course, he's, you know he's certainly frightening, you know, the way he's portrayed and everything like that. And the, the way he gets stabbed to death, like it's all very, you know, gritty and dark and horrific and stuff like that. And I guess going back to, you know, things that Ileana has suffered through, like, like, or, or, you know, going back to, you know, whatever, whatever terminology you want to apply to it. It's like when Belasco makes cat, like a real cat and and she's just this animal that's subservient to him then at that point he gives Ileana the blade the magic blade and it's not so much for her to like fight people with it's for her to like self-mutilate herself do you know what i mean like she's she's making those little blood pendants and everything like that and that's that that's that aspect of uh you know you're basically cutting basically yeah. And, and, and so there's, and, 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 and there's that, again, there's that aspect of it's, it's, um, self mutilation, but there's that aspect of there, there's, there's a level of, you know, she's got that gleeful smile on her face and everything, you know? And so that's, you know, again, to me, that's something that, you know, is certainly super adult and you could understand why none of this would go on like the Fox kids X-Men cartoon, right? Like you, there's no way, like, there's no way you could put any of that on a on a Fox Kids X Men cartoon. Not in the right context. Yeah, you'd have to you'd have to sanitize it to the point it's not recognizable. Basically, has magic or like uh, has anything other than Ileana's like you know little girl version appeared on any cartoons or anything? I don't think so. No. Like, no. Like you know, she not, just not shows up. I, as... I mean, I mean, I may be behind on some stuff that's new because I'm maybe I'm not familiar with it, but I I can't think of anything. Yeah, I, I think mean, it's only been as it's, it's only it's only been sister yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah so there's, I would there's say no... the uh, X X Men not X Men. Uh, geez, I was I would say the New Mutants as a whole have been woefully like shown, except for like that crappy movie. Was Ileana in that? Yeah, she was. Yeah, she, the new she, she had a major movie. role in that. I mean, that was mainly based on the demon bear stuff. So, so I mean, it was, you know, she she had a large role to play in that, and that's probably the 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 most Plus, multimedia yeah. exposure. I mean, maybe aside from like video games or something, but that that I can think of, you know. Uh, when you were talking about the art, and you know, like I said, you know, I, I mentioned it was really you know great looking art, obviously. It, it, you almost forget you're reading a superhero comic technically. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's almost like a Conan comic almost. Yeah. Just... Yeah. Yeah. Or, 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 you know, it, it leans into the, the horror or the, the, the kind of like 
Tomb of Dracula, you know, those those Marvel magazines like it very, very much has that adult vibe that those those Marvel magazines have. It's just like, you know, especially like the costuming and stuff like, I mean, cats, cats outfit is barely there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nightcrawler is, is yeah, he is really disturbing because like probably one of Nightcrawler's most defining attributes, like two of them is like one he he is a devout you know catholic you know he's he's very spiritual and and second of all he's very independent and to see him just be pretty much like a lackey and you know like i don't know almost taunting and you know it's like real bastard it's just like it's, it's unnerving you know <laughs> yeah well like i remember like you know that original like belasco story it's like it's all disturbing and shit when they first meet him because like he grabs Kitty's chest or whatever, and she's like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, like, and he's yeah. like, he's completely like corrupted, basically. I I I almost kind of read it as you know, you, you could easily read it as he grabs something else too. Like I was just like, "Damn!" Like that's uh, yeah, that moment is pretty uh, you know, pretty pretty creepastic. You know, it never like reading that original Belasco story. I don't think it ever occurred to me what happened to Kitty, like like the future Kitty at least. Mm. Like and like that's that's like another thing that like this miniseries filled in Answers. for me basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I I for for uh, by the time you get to issue three, um, John Basima is is off the book, and I you know again maybe um, I'm trying to think maybe I'm uh, hypocritical. But I, I think the glue that holds all four issues together is Tom Palmer's inks, right? Even though we go from John Basima to Ron Friends to uh, Sal Basima, what I was going to say is, like, I was trying to do some research on it. And, you know, I had my own speculations on I was like, well, why why did this end up changing? You know, like like was it one of those things where, you know, they had to keep the trains running on time? Was it just an editorial thing like, you know, that that, you know, this is this is, of course, Jim Shooter, editor in chief, like they, they didn't want the book to be delayed that long. Right. Like the, the trains were going to run on time. Right. And and you were going to get these issues to come out and everything. So so there might have been some aspect of that. Um, this, but this but, line up New Mutants, you know, perfectly, you know, that kind of thing. Well, th this is what I noticed, like in the original solicitations. John Basima in, in Marvel Age like when they did Marvel Age solicitations for each of the individual issues, like the original solicitations say that John Basima was going to be the penciler for issue three. And then by the time you got to the solicitation for issue four, then they said, well, by issue four, the penciler was going to be Ron Friends. But it seemed like that changed to have Friends do issue three and then Sal Busima do issue four. And the the thing that I thought about was I was like, well, what were these guys doing around the same time? And so, like, may, maybe it was the fact that, like, because what I noticed was John Busima was doing a lot of Conan, like, duh, right? He was working on Conan books. But it also seemed like in between the time when he was doing the first two issues of Magic, uh, the Cole book started, Cole the Conqueror. So maybe it was just a matter of, well, uh, you know, let me do, let me do Conan, let me do a few issues of Magic, and then he was like, oh, but I'm doing this new Cole book, 
And he's like, look, can I just do the call book and the Conan book? Like, I don't even really like superheroes that much. That's usually the common refrain. And so, so maybe that's, that's where that, that changed. And then just to, to point out like, Ron Friends, I think before this, was doing issues of Marvel Star Wars. And this was like right before Alien Costume, you know, uh, run in Amazing Spider-Man. So just to give you an idea of, of what was going on with that. And then like Sal Basima, man, like he was a workhorse even back in the day then. Because Sal Basima, when he did the fourth issue of this miniseries... He was the regular artist on New Mutants for uh, a number of issues. So I think that's why they grabbed him or pinched him to finish it off because they just figured, ah, he's drawn Ileana in New Mutants already. Like, like let's just use Sal Pacima. And then he was doing Rom and the Incredible Hulk. So I was just like, God damn, man. Like, dude was, uh, you know machine <laughs> yeah certainly certainly could handle doing multiple books and multiple titles and still put out a lot of quality content and stuff like that maybe also for issue four they they kind of maybe also pegged him because the the version of iliana that we see the most in issue four is is the closest to the one we see in new mutants like as far mm-hmm. as her age mm-hmm. and all that mm-hmm. you know yeah. I mean, speaking of the New Mutants, there's kind of like a cameo of them in issue three, and that sort of ties into issue 14 of the New Mutants. So, like, I don't I don't know, you know, how much of New Mutants Mike has read, but if if you're talking about, like, missing pieces of the puzzle, right, it's like you if you read that New Mutants issue 14, you see it from sort of the new mutants perspective, like when they're driving around and they get ported into limbo for a minute and then get ported out or whatever. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and then I, I don't know. I just thought it might be fun to go into like for, for me, like in terms of my context with new mutants in general, magic was making regular appearances in the new mutants, like pretty much by the time this mini series finished in 1984. Um, But my, my first New Mutants comic, uh, probably of no surprise to anyone, was Annual Four because it tied into the Evolutionary War. And then I think I started reading the ongoing book like right before Inferno around issue 69, which was in July of 1988. So that's kind of when when I came to New Mutants. Issue three has that, you know, that battle between sort of young witch storm and Belasco, which has a really nice splash page. You, you, you know what, what that brought to my mind was like the Korvac saga. And the reason why is, you know, cause I've always kind of bitched and moaned about this or however you want to view it. But like, I've always kind of viewed like Marvel characters. Like I, I get why people love them because they have their flaws and foibles and people feel like they're more real and relatable and all that other stuff. But I also feel like that makes them way more corruptible. And like, th- this is a good example of that. Like storm is super corrupted by the end of this. Do you know what I mean? Like almost irreparably corrupted, right? She can't, even when she tries to heal those bushes, it's like eventually the bushes turn into fucking dark ooze muck and and you know she she can't actually heal anybody with her magics because she's so she she's been so corrupted by belasco she she killed him and then became him and then ultimately it was all for naught because 
he's the ruling element in limbo and you can't kill him in limbo. And, and then she was just kind of, you know, left up, uh, shit's Creek or whatever, you know what I mean? And, and, and like, and like, this is, this is like, uh, like storm kind of goes Darth Vader in this, like she turns to the dark side and then, you know, and I guess the reason why I bring up the Korvac saga is, you know, that that's, I've always made that comparison. Cause I'm like, Oh, you know, the DC guys, would never let themselves get corrupted like that. But meanwhile, in the Korvac saga, you know, it's like Black Panther and fucking Hank Pym, like, here, here, Korvac, take the girl. Like, we'll just save ourselves. Like, you know, like, like, like they're all shit in their pants. And, 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 you know, it's, it's that weird, icky, uh, Alan Moore miracle man shit where you realize like, oh, wait, I, I picked up a car and I used it to block the other exploding car. And, there may have been people in there, but I try not to pay attention to that, you know, like, and you're just like, uh, like that, you know, you just, you, you kind of like that. And, um, and, and it, it's kind of like what you always say, Mike, like I, I kind of had you in my head when I was revisiting this. Cause it's like, I know Marvel characters are loved because of their flaws and foibles and their relatability. But like, I feel like that's that tightrope thing that you always talk about. It's like, as long as, as long as they walk the tightrope and they don't fall off of it, then it's fantastic and everybody can relate to them and they love it. But like the minute they fall off the tightrope. And I think in this case, for the purposes of this story, because it's an alternate version of storm, like that character's not irreparably damaged. But if this was like the real version of storm, you know what I mean? Like she fell off the tightrope and she fell into a deep, dark, cavernous hole and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you're 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 willing to put up with uh, Hank Pym and uh, Janet Van Dyne like arguing and you know Hank being kind of shitty to her, but the minute he slaps her, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's ruined forever. You know. <laughs> I, well, I, I I think that's it's fair though to show Storm this way though because. Like maybe not so much in sorcery ways, you know, demonic, you know, pull or whatever. Like Storm has always had like I don't know, like not a yearning or not really like tempted by, but like she has had this kind of personality that if she has like absolutely has to do something that is not morally like this in a gray area, because she was a thief. You know, she was she was a thief before she joined the X-Men. Like she has a very realistic, like, you know, Worldview. like, if, yeah, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. You know, the, you know, like if this, I feel like if, I feel like that's true, too, of like when they, they start, you know, encountering characters like Dracula or Doom or whoever it is, like there's that aspect where, you know, she's she's willing to flirt with that, you know alliance or whatever like that it's not it's not something that's that's uh not a consideration you know like some people just out and out be right i'll never team up with you belasco you know like type thing but for her it's kind of like oh well well i mean can i can i pull this off like will it you know what's the long game like and and maybe she thinks she can you know she can triumph over that but in in this case like it was a failure I like, uh, like, I like Ileana, like Magic's, like, you know, current, like, sort of presence on the X-Men or whatever. Like, I, I think, like, in modern days, like, in the last, like, you know, 20 years or so, like, her being on X-Men teams or whatever. Well, I guess more like last 10 years. Like, when, 
I was going to say, she was kind of part of the team, like, during the Utopia era, but, like, I mean, like, who, when did she first become, like, an X-Man? Like, not a, like, you know, new mutant, like... Uh, I mean, there was, I want to say, like, when she came, well, it's hard, I'm trying to remember, like, when she came back, I think it was that Scotty Young book, but I'm trying to remember, I think that was called New X-Men or something, but it still was kind of like a New Mutants type team or whatever, you know, so, so I, I think it's almost like, uh, you know. I almost want to say like Bendis era. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like I was almost going to say that. You but know? I was like, I think she she must have been like I think she kind of graduated after like when when after like the schism or something mm. like when when Cyclops had his like you know heavy hitter team or whatever. Oh yeah, the uh, the uh, yeah that was before Bendis. That was the the what did they call them the the. Oh, like the extinction team. Extinction team. Yeah, yeah I think right. I think that's probably the first time where she was like officially official as like an X man or whatever. Yeah, like I always like, and I don't really like Bendis's run on X Men, but like I did like, I like the style of it, like, but I hated like the writing on it basically, and I like you know like my Avatar, like I like her like you know chris uh, uh bacalo costume or whatever yeah, yeah like like i think that looks super cool and it was uh, like i think her you know she she her like cyclops emma frost and magneto made a good like like visually like you know coherent like looking team i guess like when bendis was writing that era even though i didn't really care for his writing on that era so i kind of like consider it a shame that like you know those designs were wasted on those stories basically but but uh yeah no i I just wanted to say like in general like i've kind of come to appreciate magic when she's been on like you know the x-men in the last like decade or so oh yeah as as kind of like a you know long time fan you know there, there is that aspect i mean i know i i kind of you know was uh was crying about, you know, maybe she's not as uh, conflicted as she used to be, but, but there is that aspect of you that revels in it. It's almost like, you know, the Hulk getting to be a full-time Avenger after, you know, having uh, his toe stubbed with the team for so many years, you know, it's, it's like this aspect of, Oh, great. She's not, she's not a little girl that Colossus has to rescue. She's not a tortured uh, teenager. That's, that's part demon anymore. It's, she's just, you know, again, it's that, uh, you know, kind of what I, I self-exposed myself with, with Tony. It's like, she's that middle ground. Like she's, she's, she's cute enough and badass enough and dangerous enough, but not so dangerous that she's got a, a tail coming out of her butt and she's got a forked tongue and scales, right? Like, it's like, she's, she's kind of Goldilocks just right, you know, just, just the right amount of danger, just the right amount of badassness but not not so much that that you're you're uh, afraid of her or whatever. So there is that aspect where she's she's at least at this point, she's she's the most I I think in the era that she's in, she's the most marketable she's ever been, I guess. She's like the young veteran, you know, she's she's like really young, but she's seen the shit. So she's Mm -hmm. very, very. Capable. That, that's what I was going to say, actually, when, when you guys were talking about her. It's like I was kind of mixing it in my head, and I, I kind of realized 
when I was talking about Storm, who who has who who has always had that kind of part in her, who she will she will do what is you know necessary to get what will hopefully provide the best outcome, even if it's something that is not considered the best, you know, maybe you know moral you know high ground, I guess you would say. Like Ilyana, I don't think she's like that. I, I think the best way to describe Ilyana, especially in this miniseries, is she is a survivor. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She she is big on like life gives you lemons. I'll make a sword out of it. You know? Well, that I mean that's that's kind of leads into some of my last notes. But like for for issue three, like I mean I must have a predilection for this or whatever because I like it when people snap other people's necks or whatever it is in these comic books and, and films and shit. But like that that moment where she finally has to confront the you know, the animalistic cat and like finally snaps her neck and kind of puts her out of her misery. Like, I mean, it's such a great action sequence, you know, and, and the, the, the snap and the, the, you know, they, they, they kind of hinted at it in all these, you know, kind of new mutants and X-Men appearances that she, she had to do terrible things and that all these X-Men died and she even had to, to be the one that did some of the killing and you'd never really understood how that all went down. But, you know, seeing that, like, you know, that brings to light what you're talking about. Like she's a, she's a tried and true survivor and everything. And then, you know, talking about the soul sword thing. I mean, I, I feel like that's, that's the interesting aspect of this, like the life lesson in this, right? Because like she keeps trying to do the acorn thing, you know? And it's like, I, I think something that is not a, a newfangled way to describe a newfangled terminology, like this is a coming of age story. You know what I mean? Like that's exactly what it is. There's a lot of weird demonic aspects. There's a lot of weird fantasy and mystical aspects and superhero aspects to it and everything. But ultimately like this is a coming of age story and and the i think part of the lesson is you can't do everything exactly like you know maybe your your parents or adult guardians or adult uh you know role models do You're like hero. like you, you know what i mean like 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 you have to find your own way and, and you know maybe you can take the core of those ideas you know yes i'm going to do something but I can't I can't do the acorn in the tree thing. I got to do the soul sword thing, you know, and 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 that's, you know, not only is she a survivor, but like I feel like she's she's a warrior because she survived. And and that's something I've always been drawn to, you know, in in fiction is 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 warriors, you know. And um and then I guess for for you know, my note on issue 4 that I think is relevant for this discussion that I just thought it'd be worth bringing up and might explain why I'm, again, you know, uh, psychologically uh, fascinated with this uh, miniseries is the the final battle between Magic and Belasco. I, I just want to point out that Return of the Jedi came out three months before issue four. <laughs> and and the whole protagonist taking on characteristics, you know, like, like Luke looking down at his hand that's metal and it's black and all this other stuff. Like, it's it's very noticeable in this where she has that realization. It's like, let me just feel those horns on the top of my head. You know, let me just feel, oh, wait, I got a demon tail on my butt. You know, like, wait a minute. Let me let me stop for a minute and learn learn the lesson that that Storm didn't learn. Like, if I defeat him now, you know, and kill him, he's still all powerful and limbo. Do you know what I mean? So instead, it's more like, OK, I'm going to let you live 
and and the the dark ones will you know basically you know make me the new inheritor the new ruler of limbo and that's that's the way i get to balance this this horrific thing from you know i put the stopgap on that from 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 going down but i mean uh, you know i don't know i just i just felt like to me that's the the cathartic reward for for sticking it through the whole series like she's a survivor and she she figures out you know i mean it's it's not the greatest thing that she has to stab old storm but i mean it's an elegant if not tragic solution to the moral dilemma it's like at least at least her her soul isn't used for another bloodstone or whatever the plan was do you know what i mean like she she basically I- snubbed their nose at Velasco's plans, you know, and, 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 and still, you know, at least at that moment, she, she was giving into the, the, the light magic, not the dark magic that she wasn't taking the fun road, you know, the fun road would have been to, you know, let Velasco use old storm soul to make another bloodstone. But the, the harder path was to take on the responsibility of, of stabbing old storm and preventing that from even becoming a thing, you know? So it's like, that's, you know, I don't know. Anyway, like that's pretty much like, you know, mainly what I have on this other than, you know, the, the cover to four is by Brett Blevins and that's probably the most representative of this mini series. It kind of shows what Ileana turns into that kind of demonic soul sorceress type, you know, dark arts you know she's got the soul sword she's got the horns she's got the tail she's got the pentagram and the stepping disc you know like any aspect of of uh magic that that is well known and and that that ends up getting used on a lot of the the trades and and collections and things like that when it comes to her now that she's more of a known commodity as opposed to, you know, like when this miniseries first came out, they had to splash, you know, from the X-Men, Storm and Ileana, like, because nobody would know what the fuck a magic is, you know? I, I think one of the things I that you really hit on that, like, kind of, I think speaks to different people, but it's the same kind of idea, is like what you were talking about with Ileana, where she makes a choice, you know, like, I'll let Belasco live and I'll take this burden. I think that's why a lot of people like characters like Cable, or they like characters like uh, Raven from, you know, Teen Titans is like, you know, Raven decides that she'll take upon like this dark power to keep Trigon at bay. And like, you know, Cable, he comes from a shit future and he's like, well, I'll go in the past and I'll, I'll, you know, rectify these things, even if it like fucking kills me, you know, if I have to like hurt people I love because I can't let that future come, you know, it's like, like characters who take a, a burden that like is, insurmountable you always want to root for him it has been far too long since we had brother sister quality time you will always be my little sister well i'm i'm basically tapped i don't know if you guys have any other final comments or anything on this miniseries i'm i'm glad you had us read it like it like i said it filled in a gap in my knowledge so Ooh, cool yeah I, I was I was glad I was able to actually have knowledge on something for once. <laughs> hey, no, it's always it's always fun to talk comics with you, man. Like that that's um you know and and I, I know we're both old heads, right? Like so so I, I I kind of was was gambling on the fact that you had you had uh, been exposed to this just like I was. Like we're kind of of that same age and 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 kind of you know I, I knew you dug the New Mutants and stuff like that. I mean, you know, for me, you know, again. This is just, you know, a cherished kind of, you know, 
you know, by way of care package spinner rack, you know, not from an official, you know, comic specialty shop, you know, kind of, you know, spinner rack comic for me. And, um, and because of that, like, there's obviously a lot of nostalgia and sentimental value to it. But I, I think also just, you know, this, this feels like in, in examining it, it doesn't ruin the story. It just points out that this was a, a very foundational story in terms of, of how I view the characters and, and, and how I come to, you know, uh, my enjoyment of the medium, you know? So, uh, you know, again, um, if you've never read it, you know, I, I hope you read it before you listen to this, but, uh, you know, I, I think it's well worth checking out. I'm just back from limbo. Make it quick. All right, guys. Well, if you have any other comments, questions, and or concerns, you can reach us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us emails and comments on the episode there. We're also on our blog spot. You can direct download all the episodes of Comics Motherfucker. Do you read them over on the blog spot? That's fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. You can direct download all of them there. We can also be streamed. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Amazon Music. And we're on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr. We're on uh, Twitter X. We're on, uh, uh, let me see, Twitter, Tumblr, uh, Facebook. You know, we appreciate all the likes, hearts, shares, and retweets that we receive. And until the next time. This is going to be Derek, Derek WC, Stepping Disc out of here, signing off. It's Mike, everybody limbo. This is Tony and Magic. Yeah, 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 I know. Portal us out of here. So, Tony, how are you today? Oh, I'm well. How does today find you? <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs>